0: thirteen twenty two.
1: What is that second intro all about? Well, it's a quiz, boys and girls. And if you were here before last podcast, you know, that soon we will be releasing the 09 Training Group. And that is the theme song too, 09TG.com, that starts in March. What are we going to be doing? Well, we're going to have a podcast for 09TG. Every Monday it will be launched, about 30 to 40 minutes in length, different subject every week. Basically, it's just the appetizer, not the actual meat and potatoes of the curriculum. And there'll be different subjects from use of force, response, first aid, firearms, CIT, report writing. We can go on and on all day. There's also going to be other subject matter experts that are going to be giving us and providing us uh, portions of that curriculum. They are subject matter experts in specific areas, <laughs> could be gangs and so forth. And we're going to come out with the content, give you the appetizer. If you want more, well, that takes you to o 09tg.com. And there will be a listing on how you can purchase a curriculum or you can get studied on various other things. 09 Training Group is also going to be starting a blog on the website, and every podcast will have show notes, of course, which will be a portion of what you heard. Uh, it also, we will start in probably mid-summer, the vlog to 09 Training Group, and that it's going to be posted via YouTube, and it will be videos about what we're talking about. Some um, content won't have videos, the audio is good enough, and some of it will be demonstrations of what we were talking about, and there'll be a video content to that. So we're looking forward, we're excited about O9 Training Group, and um, love that intro, so I definitely wanted to share that. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show, which is FBI. Federal Bureau of Investigation, or a Federal Bureau of Politics. Which one is it? Before we get into that, let's do the L Police Radio News segment. Well, folks, you know that the left never, never, never denies us a good story. And, of course, Mayor Big Bird over in New York City is always full of information for us here on El Police News. And this article, straight out of the New York Post, I was fired for exposing corruption at City Hall. Former top city official sues Mayor Big Bird for 5000000 million-plus on Wednesday over claims he was legally fired blowing the uh, the whistle on alleged City Hall corruption and refusing to help out a Queens restaurant owner who had admitted bribing the mayor. Ricardo Morales says his civil rights were violated when he was canned as Deputy Commissioner of the Department of Citywide Administrative Services in February of 2017, then escorted from his office like a common criminal with an armed guard nearby. Imagine that. Leftists with armed guards. His Manhattan federal court suit, which is also targeting the city and DCAS Commissioner Lizette Camilo, alleges wrongful conduct by the defendant that includes interceding on the behalf of political connected donors in order to aid their attempts to gain favorable terms in dealing with the city, attempting to arrange city officials to give known. False testimony under oath to New York City uh, City Council and harassing and retaliating against Morales for cooperating investigators in wrongdoing. There's got to be something wrong. Mayor Big Bird and his administration are above that. But nevertheless, that is an article. Let's focus over on the police side. And here's an interesting thing that there's going to be more news on the opioid Issues in this country. Opioid dangerous dangerous force police to abandon drug field testing. And they've been doing drug field testing for decades. Basically, what the article alludes to is that police departments very slowly are now changing that field testing. It was a little chemical kit that you basically tested the, the drugs right there on the scene. If it turned to a certain color, like blue, it'd tell you that it was a specific. It could have been a specific drug, and it would have given the officers the information immediately right on the scene. Well, with the op- opioid, it's so dangerous that it can go through the skin and so forth. So thank God that agencies slowly are looking at a new remedy on that one, and that's pretty much uh, safely boxing of The substance, sending it to a crime lab to determine what it is for the safety of the officers. So that's the article we're going to be posting on opolice.com for your reading enjoyment. Uh, here's an interesting one jury awards over $37 million to the family of armed women slain in a standoff. Baltimore. A jury has awarded more than $37 million in damages to the family of a Maryland woman who was fatally shot by police in 2016 after a six-hour standoff in her apartment. The jury took several hours to reach a decision in a civil lawsuit filed against a Baltimore County government and Police Corporal Royce Ruby, who shot Corrine Gaines, the Baltimore Sun reported on Friday, the woman, the six-woman jury found that the first shot, which killed Gaines and wounded her five-year-old son, was not reasonable and violated their civil rights under the state and federal statutes, according to the newspaper. It, it said the jury awarded more than $32 million to Cotty in damages and $4.5 million to her sister. This this is um, the trend now, folks. If uh, police use any type of use of force, and I'm not saying whether this is a good shooting or not because I don't know the circumstances, but um, even, in, even in your personal self-defense, if you take out your weapon and you shoot the bad guy, you can expect to get sued because this is what the the lawyers, the lawyers are telling people to do, and they're doing it. So... Sad, but nevertheless, it is um, a reality of today's law enforcement. I want to give a special shout out to the Baltimore Police Department's new ch- uh, chief of police out there, uh, Daryl DeSosa, and uh, we went to high school together. Back in the uh, 79, 80, 81, 82, we went to high school together in Marty Christie. In high school, and then they changed the name to St. John's. So he's the new Baltimore police chief, and uh, shout out, good luck. And uh, he's a very smart and sensible guy. Was a starter on the basketball team, too. So I think uh, Baltimore's going to be in pretty good hands with uh, Daryl at the helm. All right, uh, some more. We, we've got more stuff, folks. It doesn't stop right there. Florida inmate yells murderers as, he put, as he's put to death. Stark, Florida. As the execution drugs were being administered, inmate Eric Scott Branch let out a blood-curdling scream. Poor guy. Then he yelled, murderers, 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 as he thrashed on the gurney as he was being cooked again for the nation and slain upon his death. Poor guy. Well, off you go. Well, don't wear a lot of clothing where you're going, buddy. It's going to be extremely hot. Don't forget. And lastly, uh, more correctional news. We love to give uh, correctional news because they are the forgotten profession out there. Alabama postpones execution of inmate with damaged veins. Yep. Officials halted the execution preparation for Donald Lee Ham lethal injection because medical staff couldn't find a suitable vein before the execution warrant expired. So basically, he, the article uh, talks about he had lymphoma and, and his veins were uh, damaged and therefore they cannot um, find a vein in order to put the lethal injection and say goodbye to him. Well, to me, I can come up with some other things we can do, you know, ropes, you know, there is the expense of a bullet. There's a lot of other things we can do, but of course we would hate the lawyers to say that that was cruel and unusual punishment. Campuses will now be allowed to carry rifles on school grounds. They will now be allowed. You know, here, here's, here's another issue, and we're, we are gonna look at this in the future, but you're, now they're gonna be allowed, I mean, if I don't care school resource you're on patrol, whatever you're doing if you're certified in rifle, you should be carrying it in your trunk. Now to walk around a school campus with a rifle, it's an overkill okay because this this is not happening every five minutes and if the dep- if the school resource officers didn't have, rifles assigned to them already, then uh, there's another hiccup. There's another hiccup, folks. So I'll be posting that one on El Police Radio as as well. Now, with regards to the Parkland shooting at the high school in Broward County, Florida, we're going to be doing an episode on that. And as things are revealed, the agency in itself is in a very bad position because they have to second-guess the response of their deputies. And it's never a good moment. It's never that good moment when you're the sheriff of the agency and you discover that the lack of supervision of your deputies is more evident than ever after you start examining things. So that's going to happen. On the side note, uh, BSO has uh, had a very bad a batting average here in this uh, season. Uh, they had the hiccup over at the, the time the guy escaped out of the courthouse and it didn't look too good for them. They um, also had a hiccup uh, uh, during the airport shooting. Although they fared pretty good uh, somewhat in that, there was uh, it was a chaotic situation and I, I will give them that but now we have the school shooting and some other disturbing things are coming about. So as a result, the axe is dropping now on a lot of people in the agency because it's gotten to the national spotlight, and now the sheriff says, it is not going to be me, and people are going uh, to the beach, and which is an expression of uh, sitting out without pay. As a result, all of all these things that are occurring... But you really have to start looking at, is the supervision, was it there? Is it there? Do they have to revamp? And again, it's a very difficult situation for any agency. But this issue of cowardness that recently has come out, a lot of uh, shooting situations, they changed during the Columbine era where agencies were Trained officers and deputies were trained on an active shooter to do a perimeter around the area of the shooting. And then, of course, uh, the SWAT teams would would enter. That changes during Columbine, and uh, the new criteria, the new curriculum, was to enter and engage while those reinforcements were coming. So to find out that this deputy which was a bean counter. What in the world is a bean counter? Well, it's a person that is in retirement. In Florida, we have this thing called the DROP program. You're pre- pretty much paid off your retirement for a given time of about 60 months, five years. So you're looking at huge amounts of money in your account, of maybe ranging from five dollars to $10,000 a month. For, imagine that for the next five years. So you become a bean counter. You're counting based on calendar and the amount of beans that are being deposited in your account. So my hunch is this guy's a bean counter. He does have an expiration date in a drop program. And while that shooting was going down, he started thinking about the beans, how many were in the bank. And uh, so his feet weren't moving. And this is a problem that has emerged in law enforcement, especially in Florida, ever since the drop programs were created. You know, People that would have uh, left law enforcement, now they're staying on because they get an, an additional bonus of a lot of money if you stay on for another five years. But they become bean counters. And they don't want to really do anything. They don't want anything to jeopardize the amount of beans they have in an account. So... That's not a BSO problem. That's an agency problem, not only in Florida, probably in the jurisdiction that you're listening to me as well. They have something similar to that. And um, the bean counters should be, I don't know, somewhere else. And it's a tough call it's a, because there are bean counters in every profession. It's not just law enforcement. So, well, Folks, that wraps up our news segment, and let's get into the meat and potatoes now that we're talking about bean counting. And and let's explore the FBI, or Federal Bureau of Politics. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, and now it's commonly referred to as the Federal Bureau of Politics. How did the FBI get this bad? When did it all start? When did the corruption, was there ever corruption over at the Bureau? Is it a runaway train? Can it be fixed? Who needs to get out? Who needs to come in? We're going to look at all that. Now, on the issue, we can, you know, dwell into the shooting and all that. We're going to have a show on that um, in the near future. Obviously, the media has mentioned it for the first time. Uh, in a while, they usually hide the truth. All of a sudden, they're reporting. The FBI missed uh, the issue with the shooter. Uh, tips, two tips that were sent to them, nothing, no follow-up, and nothing happened. And I recently wrote an article on El Police Radio about that, that all the things that they've been botching up. So something has the Federal Bureau of Politics kind of disturbed, has them kind of preoccupied over there that they're not keeping their eye on the ball. And of course, you know, a lot of people think that J. Edgar Hoover was the first FBI director And by name, yes, uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation was uh, J. Goo Hoover, uh, was the first director to that agency. But prior to being the Federal Bureau of Investigation, it was called something else. Now, prior to the FBI or or the name that it had, it was called the Bureau of Investigation. And actually, J. Goo Hoover was the fifth director of the Bureau of Investigation. And during that term that he was there, in um, 1924, it was switched over to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which today, of course, we know it commonly referred to as the Federal Bureau of Politics. And it started dwelling in The Scientific Approach to Law Enforcement, it was very effective for many years. It was the number one organization in law enforcement in this country. It set the standard on uh, training. It set the standard on data processing information, uh, doing investigations scientific investigations that police at the time really didn't have a clear understanding of it. You know, back then, cops were just doing simple police, you know, somebody, they get a snitch, you find out what's going on, and you make an arrest. Well, Jay Edgar now, he comes in with the crime laboratory and the scientific study of crime scenes and so forth. So J. Edgar Hoover uh, was very instrumental in putting the FBI on the map of the prestige of what we know it as it is today. And he was in that agency for well over 40, close to 50 years as the head of that agency. So what happened? When did the corruption start? well, a lot of people kind of looking through their notes saying, well, it must have happened recently. But in actuality, it happens a little bit before J. Edgar Hoover. Actually, Hoover uh, takes over the Bureau of Investigation because there was a big scandal um, at, the time, at that time uh, when he took over and um, of corruption and and payola and so forth, and so they brought in Hoover to fix all that clean cut guy, and he had a no nonsense approach. Did such a good job that when President Calvin Coolidge came in, he uh, appointed him director of the FBI, and. But there's a lot of secrecy about J. Edgar Hoover. Any agent that was caught talking about him or talking about how he ran the agency was dealt with very severely. He was very much a disciplinarian. And one of the things that kept him in office for so many, many years is that he had the goods on everybody in Washington. So when we say... The swamp, drain the swamp, drain the swamp. He basically knew every all the alligators in the swamp and what they liked and what they were doing. So he had the house of cards. And as a result, that could be the beginning of how the FBI lost focus. Now, strange that it sounds, here's a guy that creates a new vision for the Bureau of Investigation, which has now uh, changed its name to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And he comes up with all these innovative ideas. He's an authoritarian uh, director, really slamming down on how people have to do their job. You know, it was widely reported that if you didn't look the part, he got rid of you. If you didn't look sharp in a suit, he got rid of you. You know, I think a lot of that might have been nitpicking. But uh, he started getting people that looked more the part. So he starts to develop the FBI part. And I want us to stay focused on that. The haircut, clean shaven, suits, shiny shoes. They had to be one step above the street cop. Street cop is pretty much... Downgraded to a nothing compared to the FBI. So he's creating this image. He's giving them new toys and new gadgets that they've never had before. And they're being trained up to do this job. As J. Edgar Hoover starts to develop all this power in the political world, because he was getting a lot of information on the swamp uh, of, the, of the time, of course. And therefore, he was uh, he was something very serious to deal with. And a lot of presidents dealt with him with kid gloves. Now, the presidents always had the power to get rid of him. And Richard Nixon eventually does do that. Uh, and he does it very respectfully, but he does get rid of him. And it had a lot more to do about uh, his physical... Health, uh, he was uh, losing his mind, and he wasn't all there. He had fifty years in as director, and uh, it was time to move on. So the transition happened. He shortly he dies uh, shortly after um, his removal, and I don't want to say he was fired because there, nobody was in a position to fire J. G. Hoover. He was in a position to leave when he wanted to, and it was the right time for him to leave. Now, when he leaves, there's a lot of people that were underlines underneath him that said, me, 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 ooh, 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 you're going to pick me. But they ended up picking an outsider. And then what happened? The insiders that had been under the thumb of Jay Goover for so many years found resentment in that, and they started to sabotage the new guy. And now that philosophy continues. Another problem that is very prevalent in the FBI is what is their primary role? And we'll wait a little while for the kids to think about this like jeopardy. What is the primary role of the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Well, while you're thinking about the answer, kids, it should be, law enforcement because they're the primary law enforcement agency in the country so when did we get into counter espionage and looking at Russian suitcases now part of what Congress started to throw at the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover was counter espionage and the Soviet Union, and the and the communist and all that. So Congress themselves, they started using the machinery that Jay Goover himself had already uh, developed. So now they're overzealous here with their counterespionage, and history will tell you uh, some of the catastrophes that they did, like the Japanese internment when they took all the Japanese prisoners during the Second World War and so forth. Not a lot of those were political decisions, but the FBI played a big role in in pointing who these people were. So the primary role of law enforcement now has been kind of put to the self. still there. They're still the primary law enforcement agency in the country, they're going to wear that badge. and But now they're, they're kind of doing this espionage James Bond thing on the side. And I actually believe that this is one of the ailments and one of the cancers that have overtaken this agency. I've had the pleasure of in my career of meeting and knowing several FBI agents some uh, were very good people. I, I remember we used to do a miss class, a mandatory in-service class for our officers, and there was a segment that the FBI would come in and, and provide a four-hour course on uh, certain uh, things to look at, domestic terrorist type of thing, or uh, you know how they, they're being converted and so forth, and how they actually uh, come into the penal system as well and a lot of these guys they were real good guys I, I got to know them uh i don't want to say on a personal basis cuz we weren't uh uh drinking buddies but uh you know we we cracked jokes together and uh, while they came in and did their course as uh, my role i i did a lot of uh, what was called uh course coordinator and um so i got to know a lot of them and they were good-spirited people. Now, mind you, all of them were at the end of their career. And during my uh, seven years that I was assigned somewhat to that role, these individuals were, you know, they'd be there maybe a year and a half, two years. Gone, the next one come in. Gone, next one would come in. And uh, so they were an old generation, and... A lot of them all had prior law enforcement. They were cops. They came from another federal agency, and then they transferred over. Now we jump to the new setting. I remember being assigned uh, to the academy, and one of the functions was firearms. And you would see the FBI guys there, federal agents. They would um, also practice at the same uh, range setting that we had at the uh, Miami-Dade Public Safety Training Institute. And we had a saying, they wouldn't piss on you if you caught on fire. You say hi to them, and they, you know, it was like you didn't have the the clearance to say hi back. It's amazing. I've never seen such egotistical son of a bitches in my life. And there's where the problem comes in. A lot of them are ingrained in them if they're, newbies, or they actually started through the ranks of the FBI. They necessarily didn't come from another law enforcement agency, let's say local police. Then during several years as a police officer, you apply for the FBI, they hire you, you go through their academy, but you already have your roots in policing, or you are a federal agent in another agency, and you transfer over to the FBI. Now, don't get it twisted here. The FBI, they have the gadgets, the resources that other agencies do not. That's why they're on top. They're not on top because they say they're on top. They're on top because they have all the bells and whistles. But if you are a newbie, you know, you filled out the application and you went through the process and here you are at the FBI Academy, There's a different type of brainwashing that goes on there. I can't really tell you what it is because I wasn't there. But all of a sudden, you have a little chip in your walk, a little, I don't know, you're a little bit better than the other guy. Your chin kind of portrays itself upwards. You... Sometimes your feet don't even hit the ground. They kind of like glide over the ground. And you become the new generation FBI agent. Smarter, faster, you know, uh, more accurate, more intelligent than anybody else. But there's something missing in the FBI. What do you think it is, kids? Anybody? Show hands? Well, I know what it is. Where the hell are the cops? Where are the cops? Where they used to hire more police officers and have them lateral over as FBI agents and train them in the FBI academy. Where did these people go? All of a sudden the class is now a more homegrown newbies, babies in the agency that are pretty much told what to do and how to do it, and they don't have any roots. They're new plants. They're being pu- planted inside the pot, and here they are. Years have gone by. They've gone up the ladder, and then we have nepotism. Now, I could tell you stories about nepotism, my friends. I think I work for one of the agencies with more nepotism on the planet. And nepotism, and they used to give us a class on nepotism in Miami-Dade County. Well, you know, it's not really nepotism if the person doesn't supervise the family relative. You know, you could be higher rank, but if you're not supervising them, it's not nepotism. And you actually believe that crap when you hear it or you read it in the policy and they tell you, okay, you need to sign off on the policy now. And you actually believe that crap. Like if you're a chief in a freaking agency, you're not gonna tell a freaking other chief, hey, do me a do me a solid lookout for Junior. You know, he's got two left freaking feet and he doesn't know what he's doing. So uh nepotism is a cancer. Nepotism is a death sentence. Political nepotism is a death sentence to somebody in the future. And I think that's what really happened at the FBI. And we can go back a lot of years, and I'm not really going to pinpoint this one, that one. Obviously, the directors were politically um, positioned, but a lot of politicians started bringing in people that had a little leftist, wacky, or oh, let's use the proper term, progressive thinking. And this the cancer is being seen in, in local law enforcement, as we said, county law enforcement, state law enforcement. You come in, you're the mayor of, of a specific community, let's say a city. You have your wacky views, you know, you believe in global warming, and you even get the magazine sent to your house once a month. You subscribe to the crap, and all of a sudden here you are telling your chief of police certain crazy little things like, well, you know, we don't need to enforce peeing in, in public. You know, uh, people got to go to the bathroom; they got to go to the bathroom. And then it's another thing and another thing. So that wackiness, leftist agenda, has now slowly creeped into that law enforcement agency, and. The cancer has spread. And I know that that's what occurred to the FBI. They were succumbed by political cancer. They were overcome with their role of espionage. That was more important than freaking law enforcement being, uh, remember the Blue Blue Knight, Bumper Morgan? Oh, we got to get, hold on. We got to get the music. Yeah, so we got the Blue Knight playing in the background there. We're, with uh, the Bumper Morgan, Bumper Morgan, the Blue Knight. It was a corny show back in the '70s. I used to watch it when I was a, I was a kid. I, I used to I used to watch it with George Kennedy. And. Um, But I actually believe that it started creeping in. The political wheel started creeping into the FBI, the espionage. But where the hell did the cops go? And that's my point. The FBI is riddled. And I'm going to put it up on the show notes on El Police Radio, and you can see it for yourself. I want you to look at every freaking director that the FBI has ever had all of them got backgrounds in, as lawyers. Are you freaking kidding me? Lawyers, lawyers. What lawyers ever fixed anything? And I think there's where the problem lies. Now, there are cops that are lawyers or that they studied law and not practiced probably law, but they they studied it. That could have been good fill-ins for that. And... One of them, I always say, is Ray Kelly. And I know there's a, a lot of guys in the NYPD that say, well, he didn't really go up, all the, up the ranks and stuff like that because he was kind of shoved up there. But nevertheless, he had been in the NYPD for every day and became commissioner. He was a, a colonel in the Marine Corps as well, and he has his JD. So cop, marine, lawyer, lawyer. What more would you want? Um but they didn't grab him, they didn't... I'm I'm not saying it was ideal for him to run it, but I'm saying that there are people that could run it. And I also believe that Ray Kelly was uh, the commissioner or the director of customs way back before they were all merged under ICE. So there are people that could run it. If you want to fix the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Politics... Get rid of all the freaking politicians running around there with badges and guns and law degrees. You got enough lawyers in the Justice Department that they should be reporting to to tell them what can be done legally or not. Let's get freaking cops. Let's break up the organization the way it is on the table of organization, but let's get people to do county espionage and deal with that, okay? They can get freaking oversight over their asses all day long. And let's have the law enforcement segment go out and do some real law enforcement work and learn. Now, you have the media, a lot of them saying, well, we're not talking about the field agents. They do a terrific job. Really? Really? Ask ask the family of the kids over in Parkland. The mishaps are all over the agency. I'm not saying that the entire agency is a mishap. No, I bet you there's a bunch of federal agents that are very good walking around with a handkerchief, a white handkerchief, ready to surrender from the stupidity that's around them. So what I'm saying is we need to come in and back them up, and there needs a, a revamping. Of the FBI. So, one of our hot topics, and I believe this is number four now, is the revamping of the FBI. Get rid of this free guy, whatever his name is, that the governor of Florida said he needs to go. And I agree with it. You were at the top. You came in in October. The incident with these kids just happened. You were in charge of the agency and they dropped the ball. Your head rolls first. And you know what they say, caca rolls downhill. So from then on, clean sweep. Something has to be done. Now, the Federal Bureau of Politics is holding a lot of secrets. And that's why the politicians are walking very carefully on eggshells, making sure that they don't piss anybody off. So the likelihood, will there be change in the FBI? Slim to none. Should there be? Yes. And who should be running the top of that agency? A cop. Not a lawyer. A cop. In other words, you've drawn down, you've put handcuffs on people, you've done all those things in your career. A cop. And we need to get back to basics. And I believe that if we do that, then uh, the American public will start to respect the highest agency, law enforcement agency in this country, which is the FBI. But right now, they're the laughing joke. And, you know, like in sports, you know, the New York Yankees won, uh, what is it, 27 World Series. But I, I remember as a kid growing up in New York, In the '70s, and they they looked like the bad news bears. They couldn't win anything. So, you could be at the top, but you also have to recognize when you hit the bottom. Why are you there? Regroup in order to go get a championship ring again, folks. It's time to have you know it. The conversation. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That bond that God created and Jesus died for us on the cross, that bond of love is so great that we can't even think about it. Imagine you are born, you're raised, you have a small ministry of three years, and you know why your ministry exists. You're going to suffer for a group of people. You're going to be accused of all kinds of things that are not true. You're going to be spit upon. You're going to be bad-mouthed. You're going to be whipped. You're going to be battered, and you're going to be put to death on the cross for that group of people, what made you do that? And you ask yourself, what made you do that? Well, the answer is only one, a love that we as human beings can never, ever imagine. See, the love that we have as human beings is superficial. It's, it's minuscule compared to God's love. And if you're listening to this program today, I can tell you that that love that he has for you penetrates anything through walls, through steel, through hearts, through evil feelings, through evil mindsets, that love surpasses everything. But when you have that absence in you, and we always say, we train up, train up, get into firearms, get into uh, defensive tactics, get into this, get into that uh, as a profession because you're into law enforcement, you're thinking about getting into law enforcement, or you know somebody that's in it. And you want them to be trained because you want them to come back to their family. But you also got to get trained up spiritually too. And the beginning of that journey is to understand what Jesus' love is for us. It is the love of the cross, the sweetness of the cross. A lot of people don't go to church because they don't want the bully pulpit to knock them down with you did this and you did that, or you will suffer this. Sometimes they have to be spoken through through the love of the cross. And the demonstration that Jesus shows us that he puts his life aside for us to live a life eternally with him is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. I'm asking you today, Today's the day of your salvation. Don't take that for granted. Think about it. Put some thought behind it. How many situations have you gotten through in your life that you almost said, Wow, that was close. Or, I'm glad I'm still here. Or, I went to the hospital, and I I thought it was nothing. Or a relative, in the closing of an eye, disappeared, died. He said, well, they were doing fine a couple days ago. What happened? Life is unexpected. Police work is unexpected. Look at the story we read about the correctional sergeant getting stabbed in the neck unexpected. You've got to be ready, folks. And the only way to be ready is through the love of the cross. Why did he die for you and die for me, for our salvation? All we have to do is reach out and grab it. How do I do that? Confessing your sins. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. And asking that the precious blood of Jesus that he sacrificed for us on that cross cleanses you of your sins. God looks at your heart, not at your words. He doesn't listen to that. He examines your heart. And if your heart is pure when you're saying that prayer, my friends, you have met the real, true, living God. And from there, he'll take you to places you can never imagine. It will be the best ride in your life for an entire eternity, I can guarantee you. Place your mind on the things above and everything else will be given to you. Believe in Jesus because he believes in you. What are we going to do after this one? This is episode 24. How do I contact you guys? Where did you guys come from? Lpoliceradio.com. And of course, don't forget our brother podcast, Leatherneck 7, doing an outstanding job over there. Connect to them. What starts in March? Boys and girls in the back? That's right. O9TG.com. O as in the letter. Little nine as in the number. TG training group, 30, the 40-minute podcast. It's it's a, a little heads up on what we're going to be training, and we ask you to be a part of it. There's a lot of things coming your way. There's a lot of work. There's going to be a blog. There's going to be a vlog. Blog and vlog are not the same thing. Vlog is video. Blog is writing. There's going to be the podcast. Now, not one, not two, but three of them. So you can connect with us Everywhere, but this show, lpoliceradio.com. That's how you connect with us. What's on for what's on next for us after number 24? Well, episode 25. And what is episode 25 going to be about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Episode 25 is going to be about the Second Amendment, and especially now with the issue at Parkland. The movement to take away guns has started again. But we have to have a more interesting dialogue because it's touched emotions. If anybody out there thinks that a mother, a grandmother, a sister, an aunt is actually looking at the news in Parkland of those innocent kids that, have, that were killed. And if you actually believe that any of those women are rallying around the television with fists up in the air saying, Second Amendment rules, you're nuts. Women are very emotional Uh, emotional-based, losing a child, even if it's not their child, they still have that motherly instinct. This is torn up the fabric of who they are. And I think because of that emotional connection, there's going to be a rally to make some changes. Now, I've heard the conservative side talking about don't move an inch, not an inch, don't give him anything. The forefathers and how they created the Second Amendment. And I've seen Republican politicians squirming in their seats because they have to come up with something. So you're starting to hear things that they normally would never have said in a normal situation, all of a sudden they're talking a little funny. And I've also recently heard some replays from Justice Anthony Scalia where he very adequately talked about the Second Amendment and how exactly they rule on such things. And it was interesting, because you know what? It didn't sound like that conservative, conservative right wing. So my alert antennas went up, and I said, something's not right here. So I also heard the NRA the greatest president of the NRA ever, Charleston Heston, Chuck Heston, in 1997, give a speech about gun control. And when you heard this man had such an eloquent voice, he was a great communicator, when you heard him speak, it made you a rally around the flag. So within the conservative world, there are two frames. There is one that refuses to give an inch. And there's another segment that says, well, wait a minute. I think we're going to have to do something. And where do those two worlds meet? So we've created Podcast 25, the Second Amendment, where... Uh, compiling a list of guests that are going to talk about the Second Amendment based on their views, based upon what they do, and based upon what they believe in. And we're going to try to. We're not going to come up with a solution on the Second Amendment because it's been going on for years, but at least we're going to have a dialogue on realistic approach to the Second Amendment. And what may come. So that's our episode number 25. Episode 26. If you've ever been in law enforcement and and you've been around a couple years, a couple mango seasons, there's a driving force that basically makes you carry on through your day, through your weeks, your months, your pay periods, your anniversary dates, and before you know it, you're almost out. And you, that driving force carried you through pain, suffering, blood, sweat, tears. That force carried you through emotional things, not only that happened at home, but also happened on the job. Recently saw the Coral Springs police officer that responded, was one of the first initial officers responding to the shooting at Parkland. And he said that after the situation had cleared, he called his wife to let her know, because he's a school resource officer right down the block, that one, he was okay, and two, that uh, he'd be home soon. And then he broke down. Because what he not necessarily did, that became second nature, but what he saw will be with him for the rest of his life. And he'll most likely suffer a post-traumatic... That was a post-traumatic scenario for him that will haunt him. And it's unfortunate. A lot of times we see men and women in uniform... And we think that they're robots, and no matter what they deal with, it, won't, it should not affect them. But what I can tell you is episode 26 is the driving force that carries you through your entire career, your family involvement, kids, spouse, parents, everything, and a lot of you might be thinking, well, he's you know probably most likely talking about a spiritual aspect. And although the spiritual aspect definitely, most definitely, without a doubt, will carry through any event in life, no, this is special. This is something that God created that each one of us have the ability to have. And through that element, we have done so much in our careers that we – I'll give you a perfect example. Have you ever driven a vehicle, gotten from point A to B, and when you get to desti- your destination in B, you have absolutely no, no recollection of how you got there, what route you took? It was like you were an autopilot, and you ended up at the destination. Well, this is a driving force that does the same thing. It takes you from A to B, and you don't know how you got there, but you know that it was a driving force. And what that is, well, folks, it's humor. And the title of episode 26, that was funny. How much did we get through law enforcement in my career Through humor. Make a mistake. Nicknames were built out of mistakes. Do something stupid. They'd talk about you legendary for years to come. Do something that you weren't supposed to do and there was a bunch of eyewitnesses, you were it. Jokes were going to be made and that's one of the driving forces no matter what you dealt with what you saw how horrible it was humor was something that everybody could associate with to get you through the obstacle of the day the pay period the months the years up into conclusion of your career and I have some funny stories that we're going to share some that we have to wait another five years to share, but I can I can tell you humor is so important, and we're going to discuss that in uh, episode number twenty six. So those are our segments that we got coming up. You can always go to lpoliceradio.com, look at the archive shows as well as what's coming up. It's all listed there. The show notes are there as well. What starts in March for the audience in the back room? That's right, 09TG.com or 09TangleGolf.com, which is going to be our training group. And we're building content, folks. We're building content one episode at a time, slowly, methodically, and you have elected to come on with us. What I want you to do, if you can, go to lpoliceradio.com, scroll down to the bottom. The social network, uh, whatever they call that icon, will pop up. You can click on any one of those, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff that's on there, and connect with us. It's important because you're the audience, and a lot of the content is to build you up, not only with knowledge, spiritually and to get you through the days the pay periods the months and the years that's what we're here for we're not here for profit like El uh, Leatherneck 7 says it's about the veterans it's about one veteran at a time so we build content to build people that's our purpose and we hope that you can join us It's been my pleasure, my honor, Alpha Mike, to be your host on L Police Radio, and we'll see you real soon. Be safe.